With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What up, homies? Welcome back to the Outkick Bets podcast with me, your host, Jeff Clark. And I'm here with the homie. Dan Z, he's going to help me handicap NFL Week 14 and probably, hopefully, give you guys some winners. I'm a little more confident in you giving out winners, Dan, considering your high streak than, than myself, even though I'm doing all right this year. It's been a good year. You know, I'm a big fan of the reverse psychology style, so in every article I write, I always put, like, I know it's all about to come crashing down, so, you know, enjoy it while it lasts. I even had a guy comment... Uh, an outkick VIP commented on like one of my articles and it was the most like passive aggressive, like dig ever. It was like, Hey Dan, congrats on your hot streak. Uh, it's all going to end and you're going to regress to the mean, but enjoy it. And I was like, damn, dude, dude, at least, at least they acknowledge your hot streak. I only get kicked <laughs> while I'm down. Like if I, if I, if I do well, like I did well at the end of college football, no one said shit. No one cared. Like, well, you got to be like me and put what your record is in every headline. Cause that's what I do. Yeah. At least until it's well, it's good. Whatever <laughs> becomes shitty, I'm not going to be like analyst on a 16 and 21 run gives you winners. <laughs> yeah. Although and- I am, I am pretty self-deprecating. I might be like analyst on a 16 and 21 run gives you the picks to fade this today. Yeah, uh, I like the way you go about like your handicapping style and just like your public betting analyst style. The whole. I don't think you've picked up on this sarcasm through our texting, but the whole reverse psychology shit, personally, individually, I hate it. Like publicly, I get I it, and do. it's funny, but like, but you I, started doing it, and it has been working. Well, it was because like I either lean into it with the homie Dan, or I get really mad at him, and he's just he's just being a, a buddy. This is kind of how you connect. So it's just like I thought, like, all right, I'm being a dick. Like maybe I should just chill out a little bit here. But like initially it was like, is this, is this mother effer seriously doing this in the middle of the game? Like, seriously, you're going to, like, Dan, I'm watching. I know what's happening. I am watching what's happening to my bet and I see it going up in flames, but your reverse psychology worked pretty well last week with the New York giants. Uh, they end up cashing your plus two and a half ticket. Didn't make us giants fans very happy with the tie, but that was one of I your mean, two winners, right? Didn't you hit on Thursday, like the uh, the Patriots Bills game? Patriots score a long touchdown, and you're just like, "This bet's dead. I'm done. I get it's done. It's over." You texted me the second the Patriots score, we're like, "It's over. It's dead. That Dream was, is dead." That was it was half, five minutes into the game. That was half reverse psychology, half legit opinion. Because I thought, like, if you remember, it was a second and twenty, and like I'm yelling at the TV, "It's going to be a screen, screen." Screen, it's going to be a screen. Watch the screen, and it goes for 17 yards, and it's third and three. And it's like, how did you not see that coming? And then the next play, I think, was a 50-yard screen on the other side of the field. I was like, oh, okay. So, They're not going to even defend the easiest thing ever. And then they made the adjustments. Jumped, and, the film and junkie, the, 
the film junkie in me, excuse no. me, is is disappointed because I didn't look to see who they were, but. It was the inside corner on that play. The Buffalo actually had, not to get too deep into the weeds, but Buffalo had that play covered. The inside corner needed to jump inside. He let the blocker take him outside where the other defender was. So essentially one blocker blocked two guys because the inside corner didn't do his job and force, force the, you got to, he's not setting the edge. You have a guy setting the edge. He should have forced him outside into his buddy and he didn't. You know a lot more about this than I do, but I think what you're saying is bad gap discipline by the cornerback? Yes. Not holding contain? I don't know. I'm just saying stuff now. I don't even really know. So he had a defender to his outside. So his responsibility, there's one blocker for two guys. His job is to make sure he takes that blocker out of the play and allows the outside corner to make a play. What he did was he got himself blocked into his buddy. He should have jumped inside force the blocker to follow him in and then the re- the receiver would have had to go outside then it's a one-on-one sure you know now it's up to your outside corner to make a tackle which it's no guarantee he makes a tackle guy could make a move but at least you have a chance but what he did was took himself and his teammate out of the play and then it was gone so buffalo actually had a defense called that was right they were going to get a one-on-one matchup there fine you're gonna have to defend you're gonna have to make some tackles on one-on-one and uh yeah the uh the inside guy did not fulfill his responsibility and i hope he got chewed out in the film session and i'm so disappointed in myself i can't tell you who that was because i didn't i was so mad because i had the under too and 50 yard touchdowns are not good for under bets so i was like mad about it and i was just yelling at the tv and i never went back to look but i'll, I'll let you know who it was yeah my madden brain just looked at it new screen was like if i was playing madden i would control tremaine Edmonds, the middle linebacker and whichever way they're running the screen. I'm going to sell out with the linebacker. I don't know the... Yeah, but the, he's the, never going to get there. Yeah, no, I know. I'm just saying, like, I, I don't know. You can't, like, switch the coverage to one side or the other because I, I couldn't see... I wouldn't be able to tell which side the screen was going to be run. But you're going back to the underplay that you made. That cast, right? It did, yeah. Okay, cool. Because as soon as you texted me that the Bills bet is dead, I was like, yep, under's dead. It's gone. I'm, I'm ripping up the ticket. Well, if I had your football brain, I would have felt differently about it. I just like went to like the the basics that I know, and it's like, dude, I knew there was a screen there. How the hell did you guys not stop it? It was just like a simple like just one little, guy making a bad play. a little discussion McDermott had to have with like a backup cornerback or a slot cornerback. Yeah, and, and that's the other. Yeah, it's exactly. It's a slot cornerback, so yeah, you know, probably he's not, not out there to <laughs> tackle or tackle. tackle he's out there really. to, to guard the slot guy. <laughs> yeah, uh, make sure. I don't even know who the slot wide receiver for the Patriots is. Hopefully you do, because I think they're one of your picks today. I'm trying to think how they, I mean, they line up Parker on the outside. I think Myers plays mostly outside. So maybe Aguilar gets some run in the slot. Hmm. Yeah, whatever. Um, Week 13, I went four and one in the contest. I'm up to 531st place. I'm tied with a bunch of people at a 4,683 entry. So I don't know, like top 15%. I've actually had four straight winning weeks and I've won eight out of my last nine weeks. I have a miserable one and four week in the sandwich in between those four straight winning weeks, but whatever. I cashed with the Bills minus three and a half on Thursday night football. I cashed with the Vikings minus three hosting the New York Jets. Hit the Lions plus one, hosting the 
uh, ja- Jacksonville Jaguars beat the Cleveland or won with the Cleveland Browns minus seven. They beat the Houston Texans and just an absolute ridiculous game that I probably had no business covering. Um, and then lost at the Colts a plus 11 and a half and a game that was a two point margin at halftime. It just got, it got crazy and got, I went through a bunch of emotions. Like I was depressed that my bet lost. And then I just started laughing. I was like, Oh wow, this is, this is going to be this bad. Okay. Fair enough. Like it felt, it felt better being wrong in a 20 point game than, than, or was it 30 point game? 30 point, whatever, whatever the final outcome was, I felt, I felt better about it as the beat it was just score, kept going. It was a scoregami, I know that. Was it like 54 to 19? Does that sound right? It was the first time in NFL history a game ended in that score. It was just one way, second half traffic, all heading towards Dallas. Like yeah, it 54, was, to, 54 to 19. First, first 54 to 19 game in NFL history. Hey, Colts breaking records. Good for them. Good for them. If you're, if you're going to be wrong, at least be wrong by something that never happened before. Yeah, I guess. Um, so but you won on the Matt Jets Ryan's game. Matt second half collapse is pretty familiar. <laughs> you won on the Jets game. I did not. I had the under in that game. That's back-to-back weeks I lost with the Vikings under. So um, I have, I'm going to have to go back to the drawing board with my Vikings analysis. They might just be an over team. Um, and I, the crazy thing is I texted you this. I considered going back to the well again this week because their total is so high because they're playing Detroit. And it feels like the perfect spot. Like, it's got to go under, but I'm just going to avoid this week because I, I can't take any more battle scars. And if I go over, I know it'll go. Like, it'll, it'll, it'll be like a 20 to 13 game. Um, but we hit the Steelers Atlanta under. I felt good about that the entire way. That game, th- those teams can't score touchdowns. Um, and that's pretty much what happened. There was there were points. There were a lot of field goals, but they just, just bad offenses that can't get in the end zone. And then uh, we hit the Giants again. Because they've just been they've been basically an ATM for me this season. Um, couldn't believe they were getting points at home against Washington. Uh, thought it was dead as usual right away when Washington jumped out to the lead. But uh, and the Giants are a better team. Period. Yeah. Well, fortunately, they didn't win the game, and we're probably going to get boat raced this week against the Philadelphia Eagles. Although we have played them pretty well, the Giants have at least last year, but. It's a different Jalen Hurts, at least it appears to be. He, uh, he oh, torched. that's right. Was it? I forgot it was a tie. <laughs> I was looking at it and was like, yeah, they must have won because I had two and a half. Like, did they? And then you were like, we didn't win. I was like, they lose that game by one. I don't remember that. Oh yeah, it was the, it was no. the fucking the tie. Seventy minutes came and went, and no team had more points than the other. That's that's wow. what happened there. But... That's right. I know. I know. I like as soon as I was like, oh yeah, that's right. Because I remember writing like, "Oh yeah, ties are your friend when you got the underdog." Yeah, or if you're a soccer fan. Um, all right. Well, before we get into the week 14 handicapping, we shout out the two sponsors of this podcast. One of which, uh, DraftKings Sportsbook. I use um, all their odds for my Outkick bets handicaps. Um, check out Outkick.com/backslash/bet to get two promotions. For DraftKings Sportsbook, one, you can win $150 in free bets by placing a $5 bet on any NFL money line. You get $150 in free bets if that team wins. So I would highly recommend betting a heavy favorite since it's it's a pretty straightforward promotion there. Also, you can get a $1,000 deposit bonus for any new DraftKings Sportsbook customers. You just got to claim the offer at outkick.com backslash bet. 
Points Bet Sportsbook also offers two risk-free bets of up to $2,000. Um, you can get those again by going to outkick.com backslash bet. And on the top of our outkick.com backslash betting page, we give you guys um, tools that will help you get the best of the number, which is the most important thing to do when you're betting on sports. We provide odds finders, player prop finders, and future finders um, and clickable links at the top of outkick.com backslash betting. So access those. And um, also use our sportsbook promotions at DraftKings and PointsBet before starting to bet sports. Okay, so let's get into the uh, first matchup we like here in week 14, which is in a good old NFC North showdown between the Baltimore Ravens, AFC North showdown between the Baltimore Ravens and Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, you like a side here, right? I know that actually, yeah. but... Yeah, you know, because I send you. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I read it, <laughs> and I uh, and I hyperlinked it in my write up too. So I'm I also have a uh, pick in this game. Good. Yeah. So I, I'm going with the Ravens. I actually wish they had lost last week with Tyler Huntley because I think he actually could have gotten a better number here. Um, but still, like we get the better team as an underdog, so this is an easy one for me. And I've said this to you, and I, we're probably going to get into an argument, but. I just don't think Tyler Huntley is that big of a drop-off from Lamar Jackson. Um, that's not me saying I would rather have Tyler Huntley than Lamar Jackson. I do believe Lamar Jackson is a superior player. But Tyler Huntley is kind of like a knockoff version. Like He's got a slightly worse arm and he's slightly less athletic. But he can run the same offense. And, you know, I don't think Lamar Jackson is worth the number of points that are being taken off of this spread. Because I think Baltimore would be a favorite in Pittsburgh at, at the very least with Lamar. Um, so I'm going to give you a chance here before I get to the rest of it. Cause I know you want to defend Lamar. Well, I mean, the look ahead line was minus three for Baltimore. Um, as I wrote in my piece, I, I agree with your take that Tyler Huntley is a poor man's Lamar Jackson and Baltimore is pretty much ahead of the curve. Like very few uh, teams have the backup quarterback that can replicate the, the the starter system. And that's what Tyler Huntley could do. And that's what's going to be like a, a trend moving forward for NFL front offices is like, like Jalen Hurts are going to try to, the Eagles are going to try to find a poor man's Jalen Hurts, even though I, I think everyone would kind of agree that Gardner Minshew is a top tier backup quarterback. But like, you just want someone who you can pretty much run the same sets for, when whenever one of these guys gets injured, which is going to be more and more frequent considering of all the running that's going on at the position. Um, I just disagree with the fact that I, I think the market, and I think not even the market, I just think people underrate Lamar Jackson. The guy's 29 games above 500 as a starter. He's a former MB, uh, NFL MVP. He had two straight 1,000-yard seasons. If he was healthy last year, he would have had another one. If he stayed healthy this year, he would have had four or that would have made 4,000-yard um Yeah, but you keep uh, saying it. Like, if yards. he stays healthy, if he stays healthy. Like, no, he, he's not going to. That's fair, That's but, the whole point. but okay, but we're talking about, like, You're right. the, their You're abilities. You're talking about in, game, in a single game, understood. Yeah. Um, um, and also, so you're like, saying it was, it was a five-and-a-half-point difference, right? Yeah, and I also, last thing is just the, I don't think people give him the benefit of the doubt of Baltimore's 
front office miscues. Now, they've done a really good job putting together a defense, and I like their front office, and I'm not even trying to give them too much shit, but they've failed at the wide receiver position. Rashad Bateman shown glimpses but hasn't been healthy in the second year. Marquise Brown sucked. He but always not, sucked. This is, this is the problem. You're not going to get marquee wide receivers to play with Lamar Jackson. Like As much as they might tout him, your stats are going to suffer. Perhaps. That's just the, but not perhaps. No, not perhaps. There's no perhaps about it. Like there well, is, Mark Andrews' numbers don't suffer. It's the, because of the style that he plays. Like Lamar Jackson, first of all, he throws a bad deep ball. It's it's unbelievable how many open receivers he misses down the field. Like he cannot. You're not going to get. Like they're like, why don't they go get a vertical threat? I wouldn't want to go play with Lamar Jackson if I were a vertical threat because there's tons of tape of him throwing it five yards beyond you. It's not like uh, th- this argument. Like Andrews just sits in the middle of the field. Like Lamar can hit that. But what we're talking about is, like, that guy who can stretch the field. And my whole thing is, like, Lamar misses. For a guy who wants $250 million or more, depending on who you believe, he misses too many throws, period. Like, And then, so you go, okay, he misses some throws, but in the, you know, you get the, you get the running ability. Like, yeah, you do for 10 games a year, maybe, if he can stay healthy, which he doesn't. And he also has been terrible in the playoffs. So, yes, I understand. Another reason, though, I like – I have this as a teaser. Another reason why I like that is that there – has he been officially ruled out? Like, if he comes in and he then you a, get plus no, two and a half. Not, he's not going to – he's not going to. I agree. I'm just saying there is an outside chance he could play. Either way, I, I, I push it up to eight and a half. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um. So, anyway, we can move on past that because I have other thoughts here, which is the Steelers are one of the worst teams in the league. Um. Mike Tomlin is a top five coach and he's gotten about as much from this team as he possibly could. But I think their five and seven record is still a little misleading. They've destroyed the NFC South going three and oh, and they still have to play Carolina, meaning they could actually sweep the NFC South. Um, But against everyone else, they're two and seven. Their big win this season was an opening win over Cincinnati. And that's not the same Bengals team from week one that beat the chiefs and should not be treated as such. Um, Their other win was over the Colts and who we've already talked about. So I reference the EPA per play chart a lot because it's been very good to me this year and to me is the best way to judge how good a team has been statistically. And the Ravens are a tier above the Steelers. Like they are a better football team. And so we're getting points with a team that is better. And it's basically based on the fact that their quarterback's not going to play. And I get that. But Huntley played most of the game last week and ultimately led them on a game-winning drive. And so people will look back at what he did last year, because Huntley did start four games last year, and they went one and three. So that's not great. But context is important here. Three of their four games were against teams that made the playoffs last season, and they lost all three of those games. But they lost all three games against playoff teams with Tyler Huntley by a combined five points. They beat the only non-playoff team that they faced, which is what they'll face this weekend against Pittsburgh, and two of the losses would have been covered by a two-and-a-half-point spread. So, at the very least, I think Huntley keeps them in the game late. And I get the better team as an underdog with a quarterback who, at the very minimum, keeps you in the game. Word. Um, I, have it as a, <laughs> I have it as a teaser. Good hosting, bud. I mean, I don't I, I was. Word. I had a Slack message I had, I had to address, but... I don't know. I'm more or less piggybacking off your analysis. You know, I I, I think all the I stuff would. that you it's said, been very, it's been yeah, very good right. This year. Um, all the stuff that you said, I I agree with, or I think it's there are strong points, and just adding to it, it's just like a numbers play. 
it's an advantage teaser. Taking it past a, a one full score, I get it. Push uh, the Ravens two and a half up to eight and a half. Only th- three Baltimore Ravens Steelers games have been decided by more than one score since 2017. The Ravens are 11 and one uh, as a six point teaser. Uh, or versus a six-point teaser as a dog since Lamar's first year in 2019. Steelers are 20-9 and nine versus six-point teaser as a dog over that span. Also, like, Steelers play physical, low-scoring games at home in the winter. That's kind of like a known thing, at least directionally. Um, the Steelers are 2-8 and eight versus six-point teasers as home favorites um, since 2012. So if you just take the underdog plus six points in Pittsburgh in December, excuse me. Um, as uh, uh, if you take the, if you take a six point teaser versus the the Steelers with their underdogs um, when they're at home in December, then you're covering ninety percent of those games. So I'm piggybacking, or I'm excuse me, I'm I'm teasing that along with the Raiders. I'm taking the Raiders, which visit the Los Angeles Rams on Thursday Night Football kicking off a little bit later here today. Hopefully you guys have time to get this in. But I'm teasing the Raiders down to, I think, one point, which is what it's at at DraftKings now. So Ravens up to eight and a half. Steel, uh, Ra- Raiders down to one point. It's effectively a Raiders home game, right? Like, LA's got a lot more Raider fans than Rams fans, especially now that the Rams are bad. Um, and you know how fair weather LA fans can be. And it's even further the point or even more true when you consider their football fans. Um, Las Vegas rush defense is actually pretty good. Uh, they're top 10 in EPA per play. Um, their rush defense and uh, LA's rushing attack is bad. They're, they're bottom 10 in EPA. And LA is going to be either on John Walford or perhaps Baker Mayfield, who was signed earlier this week. That would be one of the crazier, like, situational starts in a while, like a, a, a player being signed on Monday and starting Thursday night football. There's no way. Not a quarterback. I, there's no way it happens or there's no way? There's no way it'll happen. Okay, fair enough. You so, just cannot start a quarterback who has been a, on the team for three days. There's just no way. I agree, but, I mean, if Wolford can't go, I feel even stronger about this. The Dolphins this. earlier this season literally started their third stringer over their backup because the third stringer took first – team reps all week like that was a guy who was on the team but just because he hadn't taken first team reps that week against the vikings i thought bridgewater got pulled from the game early because he was looking concussed this was the following game bridgewater cleared concussion protocol um but thompson started the game because bridgewater didn't clear the protocol until late the following week so thus skyler started because he was the one who was in practice so literally, a guy who knew the system, Teddy Bridgewater, still didn't get the start because they wanted to go with the guy who had practiced the offense that week. So there's no way they're bringing a guy off the street on a Monday and having him start three days, like in three days. Yeah, well, that would be it would be the the most absurd thing I think I would have ever. Seen. In fact, I'll just say it right now, it's not happening. Well, whatever. I mean, Baker, Wolford, <laughs> Bryce Perkins. I don't give a fuck, honestly. Like, I, whoever they <laughs> no, start at quarterback. Matter. I mean, they're going to be missing Aaron Donald. They're going to be missing Cooper Cup, which everyone's familiar with. But, like, and they can't run the ball. So, on their third string no, quarterback. Upper. I think McVay might be checked out. Like, he's going to pull a Sean Payton here and bail. Yeah, that would be lame. He could. I don't, I don't know. That's, like, another podcast. 
I guess that that does work for a betting angle. I don't know. I, they had some fight last week against Seattle. I, I just Divi- divisional I, game. I feel really highly, strongly about about Sean McVay. Um, just just one of those years, I guess. I don't know. It's, he's it's, a but but what you have to consider, and I'm backing you here, is that he's a schemer who's had who's now on a short week, and you have to question. He, he doesn't know who his quarterback is. You have to question how much he even cares at this point. This is a lost season. This is a team that came in thinking Super Bowl or bust, coming off a Super Bowl win, and now they're not going to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And he's had three days to game plan for a Raiders team that is not really a rival. I mean, you know, I guess you could go back in the day, but I don't think Raiders-Rams really brings up the rivalry thoughts from from yesteryear. So I just don't know what's in it for the Rams in this game at all. Like, I, I'm struggling to find a motivation. And right. I think – it. Vegas the season be... isn't over either. Like it's no, and and then Vegas comes in needed. Like this is a game you have to win, right? Like you right. cannot go, you can't lose to the Rams if you're gonna try to make a push. And you know they still have some, they still have some players. Like Derek Carr is never gonna mail in a season. Devontae Adams doesn't want to look like an asshole for, you know, forcing his way out of Green Bay and then missing the playoffs with Las Vegas. Although it seems that trade was bad for everybody, but yeah, I, I, I mean he's played well I, for them and like he's a big part. Oh, of their... he's great. Well, he's their own. He's their offense. Josh Jacobs. And that's the other thing is like, maybe you don't want to extend him because of the whole running back thing. But like in the short term future, like having a running back on a, on a, on an expiring deal is sick and he's balling. So, I mean, this guy might, might single handedly bring me to the fantasy playoffs. (laughs) He's going to be a league winner this year. That's for sure. Well, depending on what he does, I guess the rest of the way. Yeah. And injuries. He's gotten a lot of people into the playoffs for sure. For sure, and uh, I don't know. Maybe I, I, I just also I'm not going to completely rule out the fact that maybe Mike or Josh McDaniels isn't the worst thing to happen to coaching. Like he could be a below average coach or whatever, but he could also be pretty good, right? I mean, well, pe- if you're going to be crush him early, but like it's really a small sample size, right? I mean, he could the argument is. he could be he could have is like, well, I'm, you know, I'm implementing, implementing a new system, like whatever. It is. Um, I mean, he's not as good a coach as Sean McVay, but like, the, like we just talked about, this is the perfect situation. If you're going to be going up a coach, going up against a coach who's better than you, the best thing is to have both of you have limited prep. You don't want the guy who's better than you to have more time to prepare. So that's good news. And like I said, the motivation's a factor too. Like you, like McDaniel's. I don't think he's coaching for his job, but these reports are not kind. And uh, so. Uh, the motivation factor for me is 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 heavy here. Right. I just I really cannot figure out, especially if you're the Rams and you're looking around and like Stafford kind of dipped out on the season. Like, yeah, he's hurt, but if they were in the thick of the playoff race, is Stafford playing? Like, probably. Aaron Donald like probably tries to come back. Like, Cup I think is done, done. But these guys are making business decisions, and I don't know. They're all professionals. They all want to get paid. These guys are all playing for you know their next contract or whatever. But. Yeah, cars know, crying just... in a post-game presser. Like, it matters to him. Yeah. I mean, look, again, like I said, these guys are professionals. It's not like the Rams are just not going to show up. But it's just – it would be hard to have full focus on a Thursday night game against the Raiders in a loss season. That's all. All right. Um, my first pick in the, in the circuit contest this week is going to be the Buffalo Bills, favored nine and a half. They just released their circuit lines for the week, which lock into place the – um, they're hosting the Jets. I was I whiffed on this game the first time around. I laid thirteen and a half. 
with the Bills in New York, and they ended up losing outright 20-17. to I went back and like looked through the drives of that game, and uh, I don't remember it this way, but Buffalo was up double digits in the first quarter, and I remember the, that first drive red zone interception, which was one of the worst picks I've seen thrown all year by Josh Allen. Um, but otherwise, Buffalo could have covered that game if it broke a, a, a couple different ways, and I, I used a bunch of trends in that in that game um, and kind of overlooked Buffalo's defensive injuries. They were missing Tredavious White, Jordan Poyer, and Matt Milano. They also, um, Gregory Russo got injured in the middle of the game, their first-round quarterback, cornerback. Um, Elam got injured early in that game. So uh, Buffalo was down a bunch of starters on defense, and Zach Wilson ended up having his best game of his career by quarterback rating in that game um, and and was able to do just enough um, to, to, to get past Buffalo. But I'm kind of going back to the well in the sense that I'm fading Mike White part two here. That's one of the headlines I used in my write-up. Uh, Mike White was – was not very good last week. I know his numbers came out to be pretty good, but he hit Garrett Wilson wide open a couple of times. In fact, he had the fir- fifth worst completion percentage over expectation last week. Again, Buffalo's defense is getting healthier, and everyone in New York thought Mike White was the guy last year as well, and his final start of 2021 was against this Buffalo Bills team where he had a 33.4 quarterback rating. He had zero touchdowns or four interceptions, and I think he fumbled the ball as well. And, again, everyone's excited about Mike White, but he kind of gave the Jets fans blue balls last week. He was third, uh, three and three for 16 on third down, two for five on fourth down, and one for six in the red zone. Now, one of the ideas that I have in my head that I kind of want to get your thoughts on here, Dan, is I have this, like, I don't know, this theory or this logic where – like in between the twenties and first and second down, I that's coaching. I think in the red zone and on third down, like that's the quarterback. The quarterback needs to make a play, and the fact that Mike White wasn't really able to make plays on third down or high leverage situations, to me, like yeah, I think he raises the floor and even the ceiling, um, more so than than Zach Wilson. But like he's still a backup. And Minnesota's defense wasn't very good, and Buffalo's defense is very good. So I guess the first thing that I kind of want you to jump in on, what do you, what do you think about that, like, in between the 20s, early down logic? Yeah, I don't, I don't know how you separate them. Like, I, I get what you're saying. Fair enough. All right. It's all, co- it's all coaching. It's all court. Like, it, it all matters. You need both. Yeah, I guess. But either way, I, I – the Bills beat up on bad quarterbacks. Mike White is definitely a uh, um, a below average starter. The mark of a good quarterback, to your I guess to maybe the way to say it is, how do you pass when they know you're passing, right? Like, sure, there are a lot of guys who are like, this guy's really good off play action. Like, yeah, that means that the defense he's good when the defense thinks they're going to run and sucks them in. Okay, that's fine. But it's it's how do you play when it's like it's third and seven. We know you're going to throw. Like, can you make the play? So to your point, yeah, I don't think Mike White's the guy who on third and seven is the guy I want taking the snap. Sure. Um, uh, earlier this week when I first got the bet in, it was a pros versus Joes game on VEASAN. More money was on Buffalo and, and more 
tickets were on were on the Jets, and you know probably because of their first meeting earlier this season. And the Jets have a winning record. People are excited about Mike White, and they're getting nine and a half points. But I do think this is a like an overreaction to the first meeting, right? Like the Bills were favored thirteen in New York. They're healthier, and they're playing their first true home game in like a month, and they're only nine and a half point favorites. I don't know. Maybe I'm misreading that as well, but I, I think that's a bit a bit of an overreaction. And ultimately, I just think the Bills the Bills are a lot better than the Jets are going to put it on them. And I and I and I think they're they're going to sit on this 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 uh, this offense. But I think you like the 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 over in this game, right? So why don't you jump yeah, in here? It's a play that kind of goes to yours a little bit because if you're going to take the team that's giving up ten points, you'd like to see some points scored. Um, yeah, I'm going with the over. And it's basically very similar to what you just finished with, which is like last game, slugfest, 20 to 17, divisional matchup, two good defenses. I think that's a little overrated right now, at least, especially with the Jets, whose defense actually hasn't been all that great the last couple of weeks. Um, Like the Bills just held the Patriots to 10 points in front of a national audience, even with a 50-yard touchdown like we talked about. So this is for me the perfect time to zig when I think everyone else is zagging. I think, you know, like I clicked on the ESPN game center for this game and the first thing was like their betting analyst who I've never heard of being like, "The got to play the under in Bills Jets." And I was like, "Perfect, taking the over. Thank you." Um the thing is like with Mike White, the Jets have really opened up the offense. In their last two ga- in the in Zach Wilson's final two starts, he attempted 47 passes total in two games. By the way, one of those was the Buffalo game. Conversely, Mike White threw 57 passes last week alone. I expect the Jets to trail in this game. I think they're going to need to air it out. They clearly have no issues letting Mike White do that, where they may not have let Zach Wilson throw the ball. I mean, he did throw it 40 times, I believe twice in nine starts, if I remember correctly. But Mike White's thrown it like 80 times in two weeks. Um and although the Bills will likely play from ahead, they don't they're not a team that just is like, okay, let's just hand it off and run the clock out. The Bills are second only to the Chiefs in pass rate over expected, which just means they throw the ball in running situations, like when they're leading on first down, second and short, more than any team except the Chiefs. Um, plus, like you mentioned, I think there's a major revenge factor here for the Bills since they just lost to the Jets, like you said, home crowd for the first time. I don't see them getting out to a lead and just milking the clock. I think they are out to prove a point. Um, and the final note is, according to Football Outsiders, these are two of the fastest-paced teams in the NFL. Uh, neither one likes to run a lot of play clock. Even with a lead, they're both in the top 10 in, uh, in well, I guess, the bottom 10 in, in play clock usage, even with a lead. So I think conventional wisdom here is that it's a divisional game that will be low-scoring, similar to the first matchup. I don't agree with that. I think Buffalo is going to put up a bunch of points. So I need the Jets to get me, like, 13. I think if the Jets score 13, Buffalo gets to 31 or more. And we'll be okay. What's the number? I was I was hoping thirty five ten. Does that does that cash both t- both bets? Yes, forty three and a half is the number I, I got it at. <clears throat> gotcha. That's a low number for a team like the Bills, especially. No, but in like a division matchup in a cold weather it. city in December, it also I, might not. Like, like I don't think it being a low number is like a square thought. You know what I mean? Like people could look at it and be like, oh, this is kind of high, right? Division matchup winner. So, I don't think the Bills anything under forty five for the Bills. I consider a low number. That's fair. No, that's a good point. Um, yeah, and kind of 
to your earlier point, it's like the Bills aren't known for and aren't really built to like run the clock out. There's either no, Josh Allen's gonna it. is gonna run it or he's gonna air it out to McKenzie or something. Yeah, exactly. And uh, looking at the weather right now, it does look like it could rain, but people don't like people that actually could help me. I, I'm now I wish I would have waited because uh, rain is actually good for the over, believe it or not. And so is snow. It's the wind. It's wind. Yeah. It's just wind. And what what ends up happening is the reason you go like, how is it good for the over? Well, it's not. It's not like there are more points when it's raining. What happens is the number goes down and people bet against when they see the public sees rain and snow, they think under. So they bet under and the number gets pushed down. So the closing line on snow and rain games actually ends up going over quite a bit. So this might be one now that I'm looking at it that you want to wait on and see if it even goes down. If, if people start plucking down some money thinking that there could be some rain and snow, but I don't, there hasn't much wind. So I think, I think we'll be okay. Also like, the defensive players have to react to offensive players who are knowing where they're going. So like if you have slippery conditions that might cause like a, a cornerback to slip up and leave a wide receiver wide open or, or not do his gap assignment. Right. Or like a one juke from Devin Singletary, who's also on my fantasy team that maybe could carry a go 70 yards for a touchdown. I, think I he... wondered why of all the Buffalo players, that's the one you picked <laughs> for the one cut touchdown. Yeah, it's totally Devin Singletary. Come through for me, Devin Singletary. Um, all right. Let's go to my next uh, circuit pick, unless you have anything else on that game. Nope. Um, I'm taking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers plus three and a half. Uh, visiting the San Francisco 49ers. I'm going to update the betting split websites that I look at. One is VEASAN um, and the other is pregame.com because earlier this week when I first published this handicap, the Bill or the uh, Buccaneers were getting less money. Um, as of right now in the market, 49ers are getting roughly 67% of the money and in VEASAN or uh, on DraftKings, the 49ers are getting more than 60% of the money, close to 60% of the bets as well. So the public is backing Brock Purdy versus Tom Brady, and that's pretty much all I need to know. That's fairly square analysis, but um, people people have been really crushing the Buccaneers, and there's this assumption that Buccaneers are really bad, and they're underachieving, but they're not that bad. Um, they're tenth in net success rate and net uh, EPA per play. Excuse me, ninth in net success rate, tenth in EPA per play. Their defense is top ten by all measures, and I do think San Francisco's offense is going to regress without Jimmy G. Jimmy G is just—he's underrated. Like people act as if Kyle Shanahan can win with any quarterback, and that's backed by no fact, by no logic. It—it it, it just doesn't hold true. Um, I, I, I've also used this stat in, in my write-up, but uh, runningbackstonematter.com does a composite blend of completion percentage over expectation plus EPA per play. Essentially, is your quarterback throwing receivers open and or making scoring plays? Jimmy G, since he became a starter, is fifth in that metric behind Patrick Mahomes, Drew Brees, who of course has since retired, Deshaun Watson, and and Joe Burrow. So a pretty good uh, company to be in. 
He's even rated higher than reigning two-time MVP Aaron Rodgers. And Jimmy G as a starter is 38-17 and 17, um, with the 49ers. And Shanahan without Jimmy G is 9-29 and 29 straight up. So there's really not a lot of proof that Shanahan can just do it without uh, Jimmy G. And, and Tampa Bay hasn't been an underdog since the Super Bowl. They're 5-1 and one against the spread uh, as an underdog since ta- uh, Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay. Um, I don't think there's been a better system in betting sports over the last 20 years than betting Tom Brady as an underdog when the public is on the favorite. I don't have any stats or facts for that, but it's just we all kind of know that to be true, I would think, right? And the preseason pit, uh, line was a pick em. Um and that was when San Francisco was still favored to win the NFC West. I mean, they are favored to win the NFC West currently. And they had a healthy quarterback situation, which I think they they, they botched up and ended up getting lucky in, in the long run with. Anyhow, well, I guess I'm lucky now. But um, an extra, uh, you got some game film on, on Brock Purdy. I think the result of last week's Monday Night Football it could have been a little bit better if the Saints won that game because they actually have a ticket on the Saints to win the NFC South, and it had life if they had held on to that game. But the fact that Tampa Bay looked bad last week and everyone noticed it and everyone saw how shitty their offense was, I think gives some a little additional value. And I think it's also what kept this at 3.5, which is obviously a key number. So I thought it was square, but... Apparently it's not. I'll go with the Bucks plus three and a half. What are you, what are your yeah, thoughts I, on that? I, I loved your analysis, and I agree with you on Jimmy G as well. And I think something I brought up a couple weeks ago, um, we just talked about like how you judge a quarterback is how they play when the defense knows they're going to throw. Like Jimmy G is excellent on third downs, like very underrated as a third down quarterback, which again is generally when the defense knows you're going to throw. So. Yeah, I think losing Jimmy G is absolutely a big hit for this team. So I like it. Cool. Um, you got a pick in the, the uh, a battle in Texas, the Houston Texans at the Dallas Cowboys. What, what are your thoughts on that game? Yeah, so I say it every time. Like I'm a big fade recency bias, and the Cowboys have just been putting it on teams lately. We just talked about it. They dropped a 54-burger on Sunday night in front of a national audience, although I'm guessing – well, the Cowboys draw, but I don't know how many people were staying up till midnight Eastern time to watch that disaster of a game. I fell asleep, if I'm being honest. It was tied at halftime. <laughs> or yeah. A, a two-point margin at halftime. Excuse me. It started getting opened up, and I was like, yeah, I've had enough of this. Um, mm-hmm. They also scored 40 points against the Vikings in Week 11. 49 against the Bears in week eight. So, yeah, Dallas could get to this number by itself, which, by the way, is 45 and a half. Um, but I don't think they will. Uh, it's a long season. In the grand scheme of things, this game doesn't really matter that much. Dallas is a 17 point ish favorite. They could probably not play Dak Prescott, Mika Parsons, Trevon Diggs, and still win. And at some point, you got to make some business decisions. This is a team that has Super Bowl aspirations. Um, they have Houston this week and Jacksonville next week before a massive showdown with the Eagles. And then they have games against the Titans and against Washington. All of those are playoff teams right now. So to me, that means the goal is to get through this game and next game as quickly and healthy as possible. I think Dallas will try to take an early lead. Um, and unlike the Bills, they will turn around and hand it off to Zeke Elliott, Tony Pollard, keep the clock moving. On the other side, Houston is a complete disaster. The Texans allowed three defensive special teams touchdowns to the Browns last week. 
Um, now they're going back to Davis Mills after benching him earlier in the season. It doesn't really change anything for me. I don't think they're going to do anything against the Cowboys defense. Um, the number's 45 and a half, like I mentioned, and the Texans have only had one of their last six games go over that number. Nine of their 11 games have stayed under that number, and mostly because they can't score. The Texans haven't scored more than 20 points in a game since October 2nd. They are 4-8 and eight to the under this season. Um, Dallas may score 30, but that would mean Houston has to score 16, and then I just don't think they will. They got Davis Mills coming back, back to save the day, allegedly. Yeah, like I, like I said, it changes basically nothing for me. I think their offense could give Dallas some points, too, to kind of further strengthen uh, or further hurt your case, I guess. Yeah, that was gonna that that would be the one downside. But I think that Mills is a little less prone to that than Kyle Allen. So if anything, it helps me a little bit. For sure. And if Houston gets some sort of quirky lead, whether it be just like a a turnover on the on the opposite side of the field or on a uh, Dallas turning the ball on the on their own side of the field, um, or like a special teams play you know they're going to try to bleed the clock and they're going to try to run the clock and they're going to play a lot of prevent defense, stuff like that, to kind of keep the, the clock running. So, yeah, I think are... Houston also is compelled to like not have this game get out of hand, out of hand. Like Even if they trail, they might try to just like, hey, let's just, just get this clock moving. Let's try to lose by as little as possible. Do you, What do you think of like the, the whole good plays theory? Like there's this idea that like Andy Reid will save good plays on 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 uh, when playing weaker opponents because I, I doubt all all of the the future games for Dallas are going to be a lot tougher right than this game. It's Houston's the worst team in the NFL. The uh, the the Cowboys still have a chance at the NFC East, albeit not a very good one, and they're still in a playoff race. So um, they have Jacksonville next week. Jesus. And then they, they host Philly. They're at Tennessee, at Washington. Are so. you not listening to my handicap? I get just gave all of this information. No, I know. I'm just saying. It's just like maybe they save the good plays. What do you think about that? Yeah, that's part of my thing. Like I literally said. All right. This, all is, right. A, this is a business decision game for the Cowboys. Oh, it's right, a game right, that, right. I'm that they should win. There's no reason to bust out a fake punt or anything crazy. Like get a lead, run the clock, let's move on. That's why I actually kind of like Houston plus the points a little bit because I just I don't. We we talked about that earlier this week. You tried to get there and couldn't. I can't like I I can't because Houston is so bad and Dallas has put it on some bad teams this year. They did it last week. They did it to the Bears. They have put it on. I don't think they will this week, but I just don't have enough. I don't have enough balls to say they definitely won't. Yeah, when we're going back and forth on that. Shut out Houston. And, and like, they could win 24 to 3. Like, that's not even out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, we were going back and forth about it earlier this week. And I sent you, like, um, like, you you asked me, when's the last time a team has been 17 point dogs in the NFL? It was Houston twice last year. And they got boat raced in both of them. (laughs) Buffalo beat them 40 to nothing one game. I, I had a theory that, like, teams that were 17 point underdogs would cover. Because, like, it just – that seems like a ridiculous number. And it was, like, nine of the last ten haven't or something. Cra- like, it was a crazy opposite direction situation where the, if if you're getting 17 points, you're that bad. And you're going to get smoked. What's the number you got this at again? 45 and a half. 
pretty sure 45 is a key number too. All right. Good stuff. I'm going to try to, uh, I think I have it right here. Yeah. Here's that number. So as far as covering 17 plus point underdogs are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, uh, three and 12 in the last 15 such games in the last 10 years against the spread. Damn. There's only been one outright. If you like, if you have Dallas left in survivor, which my opponent does, which is annoying. Um, there's only been one outright loss by a 17 point underdog in the last, since 1995, there's been one and it was the jets beating the Rams in 2020. Damn. Honestly, it's there. So there's six teams on a bye this week. There's not that many games to pick from. That whole uh, 17 point underdog thing would be enough to. If I wasn't locked in on my five plays already, I might sneak the Cowboys in there. I just can't. I can't come up with a pro Texans argument other than 17's a lot. No, the pro, yeah, the pro Texans argument is either 17's a lot or maybe Dallas won't care that much. Right. Like those that's pretty much it. Yeah, but we could also find motivation for Dallas here, so I don't know. I'll just leave leave you to your under. Um good luck too, by the way, buddy. Thanks, man. All right, so let's talk about the game which most NFL podcasts are calling like the most interesting betting game of the week, which is the Minnesota Vikings at the Detroit Lions. Um Detroit got up to minus two and a half which is where I have to get where I, where I have to play them in the contest. But right now in DraftKings, they're minus two. I'm giving it out a two and a half just because that's the contest pick. Um, or that's the, the contest line. But I feel like sportsbooks are kind of confirming like how these two teams are trending. And they're also confirming how the, the Vikings aren't as good as their record indicates. Detroit is three and zero against the number, uh, versus Minnesota since last year. Um, they lost, I think, 28-24, but covered a six-point dogs earlier this year. Um, Minnesota is only 1-4 as road underdogs in the division since 2018, which is Kirk Cousins' first season. And Detroit's offense is, is – Detroit as a team is trending up. Um, they're 11th in weighted DVOA, according to Football Outsiders. Minnesota's 22nd. Detroit is second in offensive EPA per play since week 10 behind uh, Kansas City. They've scored at least 25 points in all four of their games. And and Detroit's actually better in two phases of the game, offense and special teams. They have the number one graded special teams, according to Pro Football Focus, the Detroit Lions do. They have a better net yards per play um albeit they're both they're both in the negative but uh Detroit's actually better at quarterback and this isn't even like a slam Kirk Cousins thing it's just more giving golf credit for having a good year and you know if he has a good offensive line and he has a good running game he could be a good quarterback he (laughs) he proved that with anything else well, if the team around him is really good, Jared Goff won't screw you over. Sweet. That's what I want in a quarterback. I mean, it's not even screw you over. He's 6th in QBR and 4th in DVOA. Like he's having a good year. I don't like you could say it's cuz it's cuz he has good a, a, 
a good team around him, or you could say there's a bunch of other quarterbacks if you put in that same position, they'd be able to do it, but at least he's doing it, right? At least he's playing good at quarterback. That's all I mean. I mean, what's Kirk Cousins' excuse for being 21st in QBR and 19th in DVOA? He also has a good team around him. Hey, man. One of these teams is in the playoffs and the other isn't. Kirk Cousins is quarterback in the playoff team. That's all I need to know. Okay, but so would you bet the Vikings plus two here? Fuck no. Why not? (laughs) Uh, It's just a weird game. I I agree with the analysis that, like, this is a, a fun like why podcasts are interested in this game Um, because I can see it going a ton of different ways. Yeah. I think both defenses are bad and both offenses are pretty good, but I've seen more out of Detroit's offense recently. I really like how they're trending and I, Dan Campbell against the number over the last two years has been, has been really good actually. So I'm kind of just going along with the momentum I uh, bet them last week against the Jaguars. They cashed, but I also bet Minnesota for the last two weeks. So I feel like I got a pretty good read on these teams. And it's just like the books, again, with this price are kind of confirming, I think, what we feel, right? Like Detroit's playing well. Don't, don't, don't you agree? Yes, Detroit's playing well. And don't you also agree that I know you like Minnesota and they're in the playoff position. Shit, they could even be the one seed in the NFC, but they aren't as good as the record indicates. It's more of like the pendulum swinging back from last year when they lost all those one-score games. That's correct. So, also, I guess Minnesota's a public dog. Um, Earlier this week, 75% of the action was at DraftKings was on Minnesota. It's a pros versus Joe's game in the consensus market. More money is on the Detroit Lions. So I think I'm I'm going to follow the money and the sharps on this one, I think. Yeah, um, it's a I would have I looked at the total, but I've been burned so many times on the Minnesota total because now I think they might just be an over team. And this seems like a perfect over spot. So I was like, man, maybe I'll go with the over. But then I was like, nah, but see, you're doing what you tell people not to do. Like Minnesota's hit a couple overs in a row. You should fade that and go under, but I just, it's a stay away from me. I don't know. I I honestly can't get a read on how this game's going to play out. I could honestly see it going a ton of different ways. Well, I like to ask you this question every week, but if you had, because I got to make five selections for the contest, do you have a five that you would make in this week? I would have to, I'd have to look. I don't know. Gotcha. If you can come up with that by the end of the podcast, cool. I mean, I'm it's a big. Tough. I mean, you know, I I like totals. You don't like a lot of totals. I'm a. I like betting totals. Part of that's true. I, I prefer to bet sides, but it's also it's like as simple as like you can't bet a total in the circa million. So no, like I get I, my brain doesn't kind and of honestly, work like that. Part of it is like the NFL is kind of fluky. Like a lot of these games could go either way um right like where it's you know balance of the ball weird but like i feel like the total for me is a better read on how the game is going to play out like pace wise explode you know are there going to be big plays is there like i don't know maybe it's stupid but for me the sides are kind of like i've just seen so many like flip like you got 90 percent win percentage like late in the third quarter and a team you know, all it takes is one weird tip at the line, pick six or a fumble or botched exchange. Like, I don't know. I guess that could happen to the total too, but I feel less bad 
when the total misses that way. Because I'm like, I was right about the pace of this game. Like, I was wrong last week about the pace of the Vikings-Jets game. Like, that was an over game from the jump. But I was very right about the way the Steelers-Falcons game was going to play out. I just didn't, like, I didn't know which team was going to win. I just had a good feeling about how the game was going to be played. Fair enough. Yeah. I, uh... I don't know. I guess I don't have much to add to that. It's just kind of one of those things where I'm more locked into sides than totals, and I have to pick the sides for the contest. So, I mean, sides are more fun to bet. Like, I like I'd rather root for a team than like random outcomes, and especially when you bet like betting the over is not fun. No one's a fan of bet. I'm sorry, betting the under, where it's like, man, I hope they don't have a 50 yard or like you know you're watching red zone. It's like. Scott Hansen comes on and the team's on their own 20 and you're like, well, shit, this is going to be either a pick six or an 80 yard touchdown. And I'm pissed either way. Right. Sure. And it's like, damn, I don't want to be pissed about an 80 yard touchdown or a pick six. Like those are fun, exciting plays. I hear you. Most of my NFL excitement comes whether I'm winning or losing. That's all I can really care about. And, and the New York Giants. I mean, that's the fan in me, I guess. You just, you love football in I its entirety, which which I do love the game. I do as well, but I have enough at stake to where it's like I do I do care about the outcomes a little more than just like watching fun football. It's like, eh, I'd rather the Jets score negative points this week than <laughs> than 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 it be a close, interesting game. I don't give a shit. I want my bets to cash. Um, speaking of which next bet that I have, um, I think it's in the con I'm a little, this is like my last one in if I'm being honest, but I'm taking the Seahawks, their favorite four and a half at home when they host the uh, Carolina Panthers. It's still four and a half. And it's as simple as Sam Darnold in December in Seattle. Like I, I don't know how many, like plus four and a half. No, no way. This guy is is either third string quarterback. He is their third string quarterback, right? Was he injured when PJ Walker yeah, started? Is that yes, so he's technically yes. the backup? He was beaten out by Baker in the in training camp and then he got hurt. He got beaten out by Baker, who was picked up early in training camp, right? And that was his second year in the offense. And yeah, I just I, I, like everyone's. I don't. I under, don't understand how there's been so much reverse line movement, or not even reverse line movement, but like the Seahawks open a six and a half point favorite to got down to three and a half, and it's now four and a half. I think Seattle has a legit home field advantage. I think they're going to be not even be rejuvenated, but they're just going to be excited about their team situation, especially with the San Francisco injury to quarterback like that opens up the door for the division. They're still in the thick of the playoff race. I'm pretty sure they're one of the NFC wildcard teams. Geno Smith has been playing really well this year. Um, I have drop back EPA and net EPA stuff that I look at as well. Um, I thought this was very interesting. The Seattle Seahawks are first in net drop pack success rate. Um, whereas, whereas the, the Carolina Panthers are 32nd, so dead last in net drawback success rate. So effectively what that means is the Seattle Seahawks get more out of Geno Smith per play in their quarterback matchup than than any other team in the league. And Carolina gets the least amount of, of 
um, per play success than their opposing quarterback and then and then every other team in the league. So Seattle has obviously a huge edge and like people are I don't know like this line moved on the Panthers beating the Broncos and having a bye week. Like what's the, what's the bye week worth? It's, there's been three points of line movement here or two points worth of line movement. What do you think the bye week is worth, Dan? For Carolina, nothing cuz their coach is not even the guy who was their head coach to start the season. Which also brings me another point. Like I feel like the bye week at this stage is kind of lost on Carolina, right? It could be used for a good team that, that is a little banged up, getting healthy to finish off the season. But like a lot of these players, like the season's over, they have nothing to play for. So what do they do in their whole bye week? They, they tried harder. They started, they studied harder. I don't, I don't really buy that. Right now they partied. Yeah, they partied. So like, I don't think they're going to come in to Seattle on their best foot, like excited to play that game. Whereas like Seattle needs that game like blood. Like they also were kind of buying them at a low spot. Seattle, um, Oh, and three against the number on their last three, one and two straight up. They eked past a John Wolford led Rams last week, uh, 27, 23 couldn't cover a seven point favorites, but Carolina's four wins this week. Three of them were in division and one was against the Broncos. They got, boat raced in three straight games by the entire NFC West, which includes the the Rams. Like the Rams most impressive performance in the entire year was against Carolina when they beat him 24-10 earlier this year. Um per football outsiders, Seattle has a better DVOA in offense, defense, and special teams. I'm my first point is the simplest and what I'll just default to or land or uh, finish with it's just Sam Darnold, only four and a half points going into Seattle against a good Seattle team. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, if I if I lose, fine. I don't care. Like you can't worry about every single little bet, and I'm I'm okay if Carolina covers this number. That's all I got on that game. Thoughts? None. It's a game I will not watch and not care about. Dude, no one's gonna watch it. <sighs> like I feel like it might be one of the few lines that kind of fall by the wayside here yeah i i just i don't get it i i i know that's not even that doesn't even make sense that's not how the nfl the nfl works or the odds makers work i yeah i must be a sucker here because <laughs> if i lose money i'm if i lose money here i, I would have feel duped but it's all good whatever um all right, so we each got to play in the Monday night, or excuse me, in the primetime games. I like the Chargers plus three and a half when they host the Miami Dolphins. Um, Justin Herbert is a beast as a primetime road underdog. Um, he's five and one against the spread as a dog in primetime. Two of those covers were against Kansas City. One was against a healthy San Francisco team earlier this year. Uh, one was against the Vegas Raiders, which I don't even know. I can't. I can't remember. Probably shouldn't even been a, even an underdog. And one was against the Drew Brees uh, Saints. Um, in those games, Herbert averaging 285 yards per game, 23 touchdowns, to seven interceptions, two in prime time. Um, the Dolphins are only averaging 19.8 points, and two is five prime time games. He's four and one straight up, but only two and three against the number. His 
yards per game in primetime games is 164, so 121 less than Justin Herbert. He has three touchdown passes in five games. Justin Herbert has 23 and 10. He's got a 90 quarterback rating, which is pretty good, but two is also dealing with an ankle injury. Waddle was in and out of week 13. Maybe maybe he plays, but um, also going back to something we talked about earlier this um, year or, or last week, in fact, which is just kind of like isolating and betting teams that you know. Um, this The proxy that I use, Dan, for the Circa Million has a, a, like a side website where it tracks all your entries and they'll show you how you're doing against with home favorites and how you're doing betting on or against a certain team. Well, I'm six and one betting chargers games and I'm four and oh betting dolphins games. So I have a pretty good read on these teams. I'm just going to, I more or less like did like the blink theory. Look at this game where it's just like, no, no way the chargers should be three and a half point home underdogs in prime time against dolphins who is a team that I liked and was excited about coming into the, into the season, but I don't know. I I think there's some holes there, and I think there's some regression coming for for the Dolphins at least a little bit. I, they don't they don't look to be like a powerhouse in the AFC that they kind of show show have shown that they could be earlier this season. So I'll take the Chargers plus the points at home. Dolphins are the team you root for. What do you think? I would I would take the Chargers here too, but I'm also I also avoid betting the Chargers because I'm biased. I pull hard for the Chargers. I have a long-standing, as we've mentioned, big money bet on Brandon Staley not getting fired. So I'd really like them to win this game. I think this game is really important for the Chargers and for Brandon Staley, who's you know all the the Sean Payton whispers are getting louder, especially losing to the Raiders last week. It was a bad loss. Now you've got a game in front of a national audience in front of. Uh, against a team that's you know one of the AFC favorites, one of the top four in the AFC uh, as, as far as the betting market to to win the AFC. So I think it's a big game for the Chargers. It's a lot of pressure, but yeah, I mean my lean would be the Chargers because yeah, the Dolphins looked bad last week. It's really hard to argue, but you know that goes against my kind of like fade. What you saw most recently, they've been good all season. They had a bad week, but so did the Chargers. So it's kind of like that comes out in the wash, but. Yeah, I don't know, man. I would lean Chargers just because of everything you said. Home underdog, prime time. I, you know, I don't know that the Dolphins are there yet, but I could also see Tyreek and and Jalen just going for two hundred and fifty yards combined. Sure. Yeah. No, that's a good point as well. No, that in the whole Dolphins versus Niners game, like Dolphins started off with a seventy-five yard touchdown, but really didn't do shit from then on out. Like they got and. My brother bet the Dolphins money line just like as like a fun bet, and like the whole day, I was like, "No, dude, don't do it." And we like locked in the bet like two minutes for the game. We're like, dude, they're missing both their tackles. Like, Bose yeah, is gonna a, have a field day, yeah. and, and sure enough, he did. So, yeah. Well, the Chargers don't. Well, I mean, they have Khalil Mack, so if the Dolphins don't have either of their tackles again, that's gonna be a big problem. For sure, um, and like. What you're about to say is the Chargers' pressure rate really isn't that strong, right? But, like, I don't know, a lot of teams could get pressure against uh, an offensive, well, need, an offensive need, line missing both tackles. They need Bosa, speaking of Bosa. Like, it's yeah, it's a huge loss for them. For sure. But we'll see. I mean, they need Mike Williams to play. Um, I'm looking at their injury report now. Like, Derwin James didn't practice yesterday. That's not ideal. 
I don't know. The Chargers injury report is just an absolute nightmare. So do you have the Dolphins on the same page? Because if you if you scroll a little further, like Dolphins doesn't look great either, to be honest. Yeah, I mean it doesn't look as bad. That's Armstead fair. didn't Armstead didn't practice, but everyone else at least participated somewhat. But this um, is a spot that Herbert shows up in usually. <laughs> Again, you asked me my thoughts. Like I lean yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not a pick for me. It's a lean. I would lean to agree with you, but there's just there's a lot up in the air and, and the injury reports for both teams are are pretty pretty intense. So I might wait also to see how that plays out before making any decisions. Fair enough. Fair enough. Let's go to your primetime play. New England Patriots at the Cardinals. What what's up? What's up here? I'm gonna be honest, I hate this bet, like you said, you know, kinda like last one on the sheet. I kinda like I've been doing three picks, and I was like, eh, for the sake of content, I'll throw a fourth one in there. What do I like? And I ended up going with the Patriots minus two uh, Monday night at Arizona. I mean, it's a sharp play, according to VEASAN, at least when I looked. Uh, tickets were exactly split 50-50, but 70% of the money on the Patriots, so the, the money was certainly heading that way. I know you'll look it up for me and let me know where we're at now. I hate betting against a home underdog in prime time, um, but – Kind of similar to the Rams thought, which is basically a lost season for Arizona. The Patriots are battling for a playoff spot. I expect to see a lot of Patriots jerseys in the stands in Arizona. Um, the Cardinals are coming off their bye, but the Patriots have basically had a bye themselves. They played on Thursday night football and are now playing on a Monday. So we get Bill Belichick and Mac Jones with extra time to prep against Cliff Kingsbury with extra time to prep and Kyler Murray with extra time to play Call of Duty. Um <laughs> You know, by now I fade recency bias. Both of the Patriots' last two games came in primetime, and they lost both of them. So I think the public's down on them a little bit right now. And if you look at the Cardinals' wins, they haven't beaten a single team in the Patriots' tier in EPA per play or higher. Two of their wins have come against a pair of the league's worst teams, the Rams and Panthers. So the Patriots are in a tier above Arizona. We're only giving up two points in a road game where I don't think the home field advantage is that strong to begin with. It's enough for me. Again, I don't love it but I like it enough. I forget what you said was the sharp side, but the Patriots are getting more money and, and the Cardinals are getting more of the bets, right? You said so that, right? I, no? when I, well, yeah, when I looked originally, the tickets were actually split. So if Arizona's getting even more tickets now, that means they're a public dog. So I like it a little more, but I don't know. Belichick, the, my one hesitation, obviously I didn't write this in my handicap because it goes against me, but Belichick does struggle against mobile quarterbacks um his teams have historically struggled against them they've struggled again this year i can look it up but if you if you look at the patriots losses this season like there is a definite theme they lost to the ravens um they lost to the bears justin fields they uh, they lost to the bills i mean you know so like they beat statues they beat zach wilson they beat matt ryan or sam ellinger at the time crush golf they beat Jared Goff. They beat Jacoby Brissett. They beat Mitchell Trubisky. Like they beat statues, but have struggled against you know some of the more athletic quarterbacks. So, oh, excuse me, that that angle worries me, and that's kind of like my biggest hangup here. But it just wasn't enough because I don't know. I, the Cardinals are so broken, and Belichick, you know, he he joked. Well, he he mentioned earlier in the season. I wrote an article about it, like how he looked past the Jets during the bye week to start prepping for the Vikings ahead of time. I don't think he did that this week. I think he's focused on the Cardinals. They need to win this game. Um, it's not really a look-ahead spot. They play the Raiders next week. So 
I think Belichick and the Patriots will be dialed in. And again, you know, it comes down to a motivation thing. Like how into this game are the Cardinals? They might be, and I might be wrong here, but willing to take the chance. Yeah. I mean, obviously the coaching matchup heavily favors the Patriots in this spot. And I think most people, um, have heard of or, or understand that Cliff Kingsbury gets weaker as the season progresses, like past week eight is against the spread numbers and just straight up win loss record is, is really bad. Um, um, I'm just trying to pick up, uh, pull up my, my stats on how I bet the Patriots games. Um, I'm six and oh, betting Patriots games, three and oh, betting on them, three and oh, betting against them. So I feel good. And my initial reaction was, I'm just I'm kind of over the Patriots, you know. I thought they're gonna suck in the beginning of the season, and they found good spots to win in, right? Like beating Brissett, beating Golf, beating the Statues quarterbacks. I do think Arizona's offense is trending up now. That's got it to DeAndre Hopkins, and I, I just don't I don't think the Patriots are gonna be able to just take DeAndre Hopkins out of the game. I don't trust Mac Jones. See, I do. I disagree okay, with that. Fair enough. Like. I don't think the Cardinals really have anyone else you have to game plan around. Like, we talked about this when I bet Justin Jefferson's over. Like, oh, they're going to take Justin Jefferson away. And it was like, well, they have Dalvin Cook and TJ Hawkinson. And listening to Belichick, you could tell he really respected those guys. Like, who else are you? Are Is there anyone on the Cardinals offense that you're, quote-unquote, afraid of? Like, Rondale Moore? No. James Conner? No. No. But they they had something for Justin Jefferson, and he lit their asses up anyways. And that's kind of how I feel about this. Like, I but think, Justin Jefferson is in a tier so far ahead of DeAndre Hopkins. I don't agree. Even, I do not oh, agree with that. That's absolute insanity. Okay, we gotta Why? Why is it absolute yeah, insanity? Not, when when, when did Justin not, Jefferson pass DeAndre not, Hopkins in, in tears? The second he entered the league. No way. No way. That's that's ridiculous. You're being disrespectful to, to DeAndre Hopkins. We're gonna go through this shit together. Maybe I'm maybe I'm gonna. Dude's thirty years old at this point. Like, all Jeff, right, I'm what uh, the age? Okay, I mean, he was injured or missed six games last year, but I mean, he had he's had. 100 catches and 1,000 yards in four seasons. Like, Justin Jefferson is literally breaking every record for wide receivers in their first okay. two years. Like, so every what, single record. What tier is DeAndre Hopkins? Like, he's not in the number one wide receiver tier? He's not a top dude, five, top ten? You're not going to put me on the spot and have me, like, tearing wide receivers you on, right now. You, you put yourself on the spot. You said DeAndre Hopkins is tier. in, in Justin, Justin Jefferson's Jefferson, league. There's Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, and then there's everybody else. Cooper Cup isn't in that when healthy. I I would have probably put him in there, but the injury is a concern. I mean, if we're just going when healthy straight up, like, yeah, I guess. But I don't know. Again, it depends how you – like, who do I want on my team? Like, he goes down the list. I'd rather have Justin Jefferson and Cooper Cup all day. Hmm. Okay. I love Justin Jefferson, so I don't mean to even bash Do him. You? I, I absolutely I called him the best wide receiver in that draft. It's it's on record. People people give me credit for making that that um that pre draft read. All right. I love Justin Jefferson. I found some sort of graph from I think maybe your boy Ben is it Ben Brown? The the Baldwin. Baldwin, whatever. I, I mess it up every time. Um 
but he had I think it was someone from PFF could have been him I don't know I don't know who but whatever they had a graph of all the wide receivers in that draft and how they how many yards they had per specific route ran and Justin Jefferson had the most diverse wide receiver tree like he's a baller and I'm I'm willing to agree that he's probably the best wide receiver in the game he's he's definitely in the conversation I just think you you were just really really mean right there to DeAndre Hopkins and I don't get it like this guy's an icon he's a goddamn he's he's a damn near Hall of Fame wide receiver and you're out here just firing firing shots at him uh, my yeah. shot was your thing was they had something for Justin Jefferson and he broke through. Yeah. And I'm saying he has that ability. I don't think at this stage in his career, if Bill Belichick honestly tries to shut down DeAndre Hopkins, they will shut down DeAndre Hopkins. You want to do a side bet on his I'm, player prop? I was just thinking that. And like you saw the wheels turning. I'll do a side I bet. I don't want my emotions prop. to get to get in the way here. Let me think about it. We're not going to do it on air and we'll I'll, <laughs> of course I'll circle not. back and discuss it. <laughs> Don't forget, I have the Bengals minus four this week. I didn't Thanks forget for that. that. No, Thanks you have a minus three. I took, three. I took I thought it was... three. No, I took three like a goddamn schnook. This Great. Is, Love that. This is bad. Yeah, I bet you do. Right now, you got two and a half points in the better line. Oh, I do not feel good about that bet. I do not feel good about that one. Shouldn't. Watson's made I'm me actually, a so I'm in a. It's uh, all good, baby. It's all good, Watson. A, so my dad's a big Bengals fan, and we're in a. Uh, we're in a redraft. Like our survivor ended so quickly that the guy started a second one that started in week five. And uh, we've actually been down to the final two. It's like me and my dad split a team versus someone else. And we've been down to the final two for like four weeks. Like this one, like the, the carnage in the NFL this year has been wild. The fact that I've seen two, like I saw two survivors get down to two guys and out of like, you know, 30 or 40 entries in four weeks is crazy. So we're in a, we're in a debate this week. He's a Bengals fan and he wants to take the Bengals, um, and I'm nervous about it. And I want to take the Bills, so that's kind of the that's kind of where we're at. Our opponent has the Cowboys left, so they're gonna take the Cowboys. If they don't, that would be an egregious error in judgment. So that's that's sort of the debate we're having right now: is who should we take? Should we take uh, the Bengals or the Bills? I don't know. You should. You need to. You need to stop your father from taking the Bengals here. That's what I've been trying to do all goddamn week. I'm like, you're, you're being clouded because you're a fan. They beat the Chiefs. You're riding high. You think they can't lose. It's a perfect letdown spot coming off that win. Watson looked terrible, but like Watson looked terrible. We don't think that's he, the truth, or that's what it's going to be forever, right? We don't actually think no, that. No, absolutely not. Now his argument is. Understood on the letdown, but the Browns already beat the Bengals this year, so there's a little bit of a revenge Fair. factor. Like they're not gonna sleep on a team that's already beaten them. Are you trying to home. hold the Bills too? Maybe that was part of it. Was like the we probably won't use the Bengals again, but the because their schedule is brutal. But the Bills, I believe, have a good. I think they play like the Bears at home in a couple of weeks or something. Like they have a they have a nice spot coming up. So that's kind of the argument. Yeah, they play. Well, they actually at the Bears, which is interesting. Well, good luck, buddy. I hope you wouldn't. You don't do anything I wouldn't do. I want to take the Bills. <laughs> there, there's a whole missing piece to this that I can't fully see. That you kind of, you kind of served up, where it's just like the game theory stuff. I don't really know who you guys have and who they, who your opponent has. 
I mean, he gave but me like a little said, bit of gonna, details. They, get, but like, they got buff there. They got Dallas. Yeah. So like, that's an auto pick. Like, right. there's no, there's no question you're using Dallas this week. Fair we, enough. Those, those are our two. Like, I mean, I could go through all, but like, those are our two who have the biggest spreads that we have left. Gotcha. Okay. Like, no one that we have left has more points. Is a bigger favorite. Um, I think we even use Seattle already. All right. So. I guess you're kind of hoping. So, do you win this if the Texans win, and your survivor pick wins? Yeah, but I'm not. So not Texans seventeen fourteen. <laughs> not banking on that one. I'm, we're hoping to survive to next week to keep it going. Texans seventeen fourteen. Gi- Giants jump ahead of the Cowboys in the playoff race. No, absolutely not. Zero chance. All right. Well, hey. Thanks for listening to this point. Um, again, recording Thursday, December 8th. Hopefully, we give you guys enough time to put that teaser in. Hopefully, Dan and I stay red hot. I'm on four straight winning weeks. <laughs> Dan's on like, I don't know, what are you, what, how about 14? I have, a, I have not had a losing week. <laughs> uh, awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for listening. I'll kick bets. Jeff Clark. You can follow uh, the podcast anywhere podcasts live. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google where can people follow your stuff, which is some betting, some culture. You got a lot going on. Yeah, I do a lot. I'm actually uh, now officially switching from editor to writer. So you're going to be seeing a lot more uh, Dan Zakrzewski on outkick.com. Check me out there. You can hit me up on Twitter at outkickdanz. All right. Peace out, homies. Mm-hmm.